I want to start today by just saying a special welcome to everybody joining us online. Glad that you guys are with us today. So uh, a few months ago, I was talking with a friend uh, about, he was telling me a story about a, a soccer game that he was coaching. He's a, a coach of a, a boys team in high school, and uh, they were playing a, a game against another team in their conference, and this game was for the conference championship. And so everything was kind of on the line for this game. This, whoever won this game was going to win the conference, and they were, they were playing this team, and um, I believe at this time his team was actually down by a goal, um, and one of his players on his team took a shot, and it looked like it had gone in the back of the net. Uh, but uh, the referee, as he looked at the goal as the shot was taken, he realized that the ball actually ended up behind the net, and it had kind of rolled away from the goal. So, of course, it, it wasn't a goal. It didn't go in. But everybody kind of was a little confused. Even the goalie seemed confused about, like, oh, it, like everybody kind of thought it was a goal, but, of course, it wasn't because it went behind the net. And so the ref, like, went over, and he looked, and he called it, not a goal because, of course, it didn't go in, or so it seemed not go in. And at that time, the coach of the opposing team, actually, he must have had a great view, and what had happened is, actually, the ball did go in the net, but there was a hole in the back of the net, and it went through that hole and out, and so it looked like it wasn't a goal, but it actually was. And so the opposing coach, the one who really had the advantage in some ways because, um, you know, it looked like it wasn't a goal against his very own team, he actually walks out on the field, true story, this past fall, And he looks at the ref and he says, actually, that was a goal. There's a hole in the back of the net. And can you imagine? I mean, he's kind of going against his very own team. And so the ref went and checked and and eventually they reversed it and they called it a goal. And in this moment, his own players on his team are screaming at him, like upset very much at their coach because like, hey, coach, what are you doing? Like, you're ruining, this is a conference championship. You're ruining this for us. And, and and the, uh, you know, parents are yelling at him and, and he's kind of being ridiculed all the way around. And that actually, that goal would end up costing them the game. Now, the question is, who does that? Or maybe even a better question for us to ask is, would you? Would you do that? Would you be honest in that moment? Or maybe even a question to ask is, is it your job in that moment to be honest? And probably it depends upon who you ask, but I actually think that we live in a world that says that some things that are right or maybe seem like to the world as right side up, actually, what if they were upside down? that's what this series is really about called Stranger Things that we've been in for several weeks now where we're talking about how do we live as followers of Jesus. In other words, if you choose to really follow God, if you want to give your life to him, and I understand there's people listening to this day, people online, people here at this campus, Middleville, Dalton, all over, and you would say, I'm not quite sure about if I really buy into the whole God thing. I'm not sure if I really am wanting to cross that line and fully give my life to God. But if you choose to do that, how do we live right side up in what would seem often like an upside down world. Of course, our integrity should mean, I think, a lot to us as followers. I actually believe that coach did the right thing, but to others, maybe they feel like he didn't. Know that this is true, that we live in a world that pushes us oftentimes to being happy, right? We live in a world, as sometimes our culture will say, that the things that might seem like that they're upside down, they're actually okay, which is different from what God says. And, and what if, just what if, what seems like right to the world, what seems like normal to the world, actually isn't the way that God instructs us to live our lives as followers of Jesus? 
How as a follower of Jesus, sometimes we have to choose to flip things and we have to, you know, choose to say that sometimes what the world might feel like and seem like is okay actually isn't the way that God wants us to live. And so in the series, as we've been walking through week after week, we're talking about kind of two things that kind of go against each other or, or what might seem like to the world is the right way to live. What if it's actually upside down? What if we should be choosing the other way to live? And so this weekend, uh, I want to look at, at this in this idea of choosing to be holy versus being happy. Now, I just want to clarify as I dive into this message today is this is not a message about how if you follow Jesus, you're going to be miserable because I actually think joy comes from the Lord. I mean, we could talk about being happy and how happiness comes from God and it's not a bad thing to be happy. But what I'm going to talk about is what happens in your life when you bump up against these two things that come together and it's either choosing to be happy or what makes you happy or what you think is going to make you happy or choosing to be holy and to be set apart and to be different in the world. Now, if I was to ask you how many of you want happiness in your life, I think all of us would raise our hands. I think you should raise your hand. But the problem is this. Our culture says that the things that you need to do in order to be happy are not the ways that Jesus instructs us to live our lives. And Jesus, all of a sudden, he comes along, he says at times that you're actually going to have to choose between things that you think are making you happy or things that you choose would actually make you holy. Now, if you were here last week, we looked at a book in the Bible called First Peter, and Peter actually understood, he's writing this to a group of Christians who are very persecuted during this time. And if you remember last week, we talked about this idea how, how this, this king, this guy by the name of, of Nero, he actually hated Christians so much that he would persecute them, he would kill them, he would murder them, he at, at times would take Christians, he would dip them in hot wax, he would tie them to a tree, he would light them on fire like a candle, and that's how much he disliked this group of people. And Peter, he's writing to this group of, of Christians, and he understood what it was like to live in an upside-down world. And I want to kind of continue that, and I want to look at some more of his words and how he, he talks about how at times in your life, you're going to have to choose to be holy or to be different over always being happy in life. And so let's look at um, some of these verses in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. We're going to read them all, and then we'll kind of go back through it and talk about each of them. He says this, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You could say to make you happy. You didn't know any better then. But now, he says, you must be holy in everything that you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. I think the problem with people today, if I can just be honest, I think the problem with many of us, I actually would say it this way. The biggest obstacle for you choosing to follow Jesus is, I think, this, this idea and this notion of trying to actually fit into culture. If you're a young person here today, maybe in middle school, high school, and college, I think the biggest obstacle that will get in your way of actually choosing to really give your life to Christ, to really go after him, I'm not talking about your parents' faith, I'm not talking about choosing to go to church because your parents made you go to church. I think the biggest obstacle that you will face and trying to figure out if you are really going to have your own faith and go after God is a desire to fit in. Adults, our biggest obstacle, I think, to truly choosing to follow God is this desire for all of us, every one of us, 
to fit in, for people at our work to like us, for people in our neighborhood to like us, for people to have this view of us that we are, you know, maybe have more money than what we really have or we're better parents than what we really are. We have this desire in us to fit in, a, a, a longing for people to look at us and think that we are better than what maybe we really are. I hope that you'll understand this. God didn't call us actually though to fit in. God doesn't call you as a a follower of Jesus to fit in. He actually calls us to to stand out. He didn't say to blend in the world. He, He said, no, don't conform to the patterns of this world. He says, but I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, he wants you to, to stand out, to be set apart. In fact, I just would ask this question. If, if this idea of us wanting to fit in is like normal, why would we want to be normal? In fact, if you look around and you look at what the world says is normal, I don't really personally want anything to do with that. Normal to the world these days is broke. Normal to the world is bondage. Normal is fear. Normal is divorce. Normal is tension or sleepless nights. To the world, what is normal is anxiety or it might be every day waking up and saying, I hate my job, but I have to go to work. That's normal to the world, right? I mean, I'm just trying to get to Friday. I'm just trying to get to the weekend so I can have some fun. For me, I don't want to be signed up for that. I don't want anything to do with normal. I want off that road. In fact, Jesus says that there's a normal road. He says that there's this broad road, that this normal road that many people are going to choose to go down and it's wide and it leads actually to destruction. But Jesus says there's a different road that you can choose to take. There's, there's a, a narrow road. There's a, a small road. He says not many people will choose to go down that road, but that road actually leads to life. That one leads to life. And I think what we have to understand is we have to figure it out for ourselves. And some of you, you're honestly, you're here today and you'd say, you know, I don't know what I believe. And I, I got to say, I respect that. I respect when people say, I'm not sure if I really want to go down that road, that, that road of narrowness. I'm not sure if I really want to be a part of that. But if you decide to follow Jesus, that road sets you apart. If you choose to, to step across that line and say, I'm going to give my life to God. I really want to go after him. I want to serve him. It doesn't make you blend in. In fact, that road, I would say this, It calls us oftentimes to choosing holiness over happiness. In fact, that is what Peter was saying to these people in in 1 Peter. If we go back and look at one of these verses, he says this, so you must live as God's obedient children. He says, don't slip back into your old ways of living. He says, why? He says, I don't want you to slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. He says, in fact, you didn't know any better then. See, for some of us, before we knew God, we did things that we thought would make us happy. We were on what I would describe as a happy trail. We were trying to do things that we thought would bring happiness to our life because that's what we thought we were living for, right? And so maybe for some people, they say, before I was a Christian, they slept around because they thought that sex would bring them happiness. Or or for some people, they they did drugs. Or for some people, they drank. Or maybe for some people, they lied all the time or or they cheated or they stole or whatever it might be. They, They were corrupt in their business. I don't know what it is for you, but many people, and of course, I'm not saying that I'm not blaming you for that because what he's saying is you didn't know any better then. Sometimes before you follow God, you don't know the things that you're doing are actually leading to destruction that they're wrong. And folks, can I just say, isn't that so true with our culture and sex? Now I know I'm going to hit on a hot topic right now, but I think, I think you actually can't turn on the TV these days, watch any show without somebody hooking up with somebody else and then hooking up with more people and more people and more people and 
to our world, come on, it's normal. We don't even think about it. We're, we're kind of like, like, this is the way that it is. Like, sex is what you do. And in fact, if you don't, you're weird. If you wait, you're, you're strange. But Peter, he actually says this in verses 15 and 16. He says, but now you must be holy, get this, in everything that you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I'm holy. Now, I want you to notice what he didn't say. He doesn't say this, now, but now you must be happy in everything that you do. Just as God who chose you is happy, for the scriptures say, you must be happy because I am happy. He doesn't tell us to do that. And what I hope that we'll understand is that God doesn't call us to be happy. See, many Christians believe something that as a Christian, maybe your highest calling is when I follow God, God's going to bring me happiness in everything that I do. And again, this is not a message about that you'll never be happy in life, but God's greatest calling for our lives is not always to choose happiness, but it's to choose holiness. The problem with happiness is it's based upon happenings, and happenings don't always make us happy. Would you agree with that? Sometimes, like we learned last week, our happenings aren't all that great. Sometimes the situation that we're in, it brings us fear and we have to choose to have faith in God. Sometimes the things that we walk through don't always make us happy. See, see, your happiness is not your greatest calling. It's your holiness. Your highest calling, God's highest calling for you, is not that you'll always be happy in life, but that you'll choose to be different, that you'll choose to be holy. See, see, the problem with thinking that happiness wins, that like God wants you just to be happy in life. The problem with us doing this is this is what it leads to. It leads to us using this thing I call personal justification. And here's what I'd say. Every one of you, including myself, we do this all the time. And what it means is this, is that we think if God wants me happy, if there's a situation in my life that isn't making me happy, then I justify the sin, call it what it is, that because it makes me happy, right? Kind of like, let me give you an example, our marriages. See, happiness says this. If your wife doesn't make you happy, if your husband doesn't make you happy, then leave. Find another one, right? I mean, you see this all the time in our culture, folks. And I know, again, I'm going to hit on something that many of you aren't going to like. Our culture says this, if you don't like your marriage, leave. If your spouse doesn't make you happy, just leave. It's not a big deal. And get this, many of us in in this situation, we would use personal justification to get out of that marriage. Well, I'm just not happy anymore. I'm not in love anymore. Now, I'm not talking about a relationship that is um, having unfaithfulness in it. I'm not talking about a relationship where there's abuse because I think there's times where you need to separate yourself and you need to get out of that. But we live in a culture now that says, if your spouse doesn't make you happy, just divorce them. It's not a big deal. In fact, God will still love you and everything's great and everything's good. Instead of us choosing to say, I'm going to work on the relationship, we just choose to say, I'm going to leave the relationship. I have to tell you something right now. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that my wife does not base my, our marriage on happiness. Because I'm telling you right now, she would have left me multiple times. I'm telling you right now, I mean, she, she would, it would be over many, many, many times because you know this if you've been married for like a day. Come on, you know it's true. Your spouse does not always make you happy. 
See, I heard, I heard people who were married say that before I got married. I'm like, oh, no, not me. When I get married, I'm going to be happy all the time. And then my wife realized that that ain't the case. Like, I don't make her happy all the time. I'm annoying at times. I'm a neat freak. I don't like messes. I mean, there's a lot of things that drive my wife crazy. Happiness is not our highest calling. It's holiness. Or he's, here's even another one, right? Sometimes many of us, we go to weddings and we watch some of our friends get married and we stand there as a witness. Do you understand what it means to be a witness? Do you really realize, many of you don't even know this, you think you're going to the wedding? You, you don't know what you think you're doing? You're going there for the free food and you can party and you can have fun and it's like open bar, yeah, that's awesome. Like, I want to go to that wedding for that. No, you want to know what your calling is at a wedding? You are a witness. Your job is to hold that couple accountable. You realize that? And here's the problem though. We stand up in a wedding and we watch somebody get married and our best friend, our, I mean, we're the best man, we're the maid of honor, we're sitting in the crowd, we're watching them get married. And all of a sudden, a year later, our friend comes to us and says, man, my wife, she won't stop nagging me. My wife, I'm telling you what, it's just miserable, man. Life, life is just not good. It's not what it was. And we look at our friend who we're supposed to hold accountable and we say, well, just leave. Or, or you look at your friend who's a girl and says, man, my husband, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't care for me. He doesn't, he doesn't show me love and affection. He doesn't, he doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Well, may, maybe you should just leave. Next time one of your friends who you're at their wedding comes to you and says, I'm going to leave, I would encourage you to do this. Look at him and say, do you remember the vow that you made? Do you remember the commitment that you made? You stood before what you said was God and you said that until death do us part in good and bad and all of it, right? And what if we looked at them in that, in, in that situation and said, look, I understand you're struggling, but let's get you some help. Let's go to counseling. Let's do whatever we can do to help you instead of living in a society that just says when it's not happy, when we're not happy all the time, we just throw up our hands and say, I'm leaving. And we do this with so many different things in life. We do this with our possessions, right? We, we do this with our stuff. Well, I, I need a truck, I mean, it's hot this weekend. I need a boat. I need two boats. I, I need a jet ski. I mean, we can't just have a boat. And a, I mean, we need a jet ski. I mean, I need this thing. I need that thing. I need it. Okay, so guys, I'm picking on you. Girls, I need a new purse. How many do you need for crying out loud? Don't ask that. That's a good, good, good point. Yeah. Let's go back to the boat, okay? I feel like I'm getting daggers right now. But so what do we do? We, we, we think because our highest calling is happiness, we beg, we borrow, we steal to get it because we think it's going to make me happy. Young people, you see this with dating and sex. Our culture says that, why not? I mean, everybody does it. It's like what you should do. And we think because we have needs or we think because it's going to bring happiness that we choose to have sex before marriage. And I'm just saying if, if we really think that God wants you just to be happy, what it allows us to begin to do in our own lives, and come on, we've all done this. It allows us to have personal justification where we begin to justify the things that we're doing that aren't right, but we justify them because we think that God's calling in our lives is just to be happy. Man, it's quiet here today. Happiness is not our highest calling. And when we think it is, suddenly, without even knowing it, we begin to worship false gods like comfort, money, pleasure, and things. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. And his calling for our lives, when these two things bump up against each other, I'm not saying your calling in life is to be miserable. You should have joy. I have joy. Happiness is a great thing. But when happiness and holiness bump up against each other, we choose to be holy 
over happy. Now, you might say, what does it mean to be holy, right? When I grew up, I, I thought the word actually meant I had to be perfect. But like holiness means like without any faults or it means that I'm perfect in everything I do and then I realized I'm not going to get there in my life. So what's the point of even trying? But actually the Greek word comes from the word, it's the word hagios. And hagios means to be different. It means to be set apart. It means to be pure. That God is actually calling you to be holy, to be, to be different, to be set apart, which really when you think about it, it's what this whole series is about. That how at times in our lives, the world is going to tell you to live one way. And God's saying, no, no, I don't want you to live that way. I want you to be different in your life. That if you choose to follow God, you're going to be different. In fact, I would just pause and just ask you to have a gut check. Are you any different from the world? In other words, if I, if I stood you right next to somebody who would say they're not a follower of Jesus, if I took you at your high school and put you next to a person who said they'd never been to church before at your middle school and college, at one of the moms in one of your groups, somebody at work that you work with, if I stood you right next to them and we said, hey, what, what's going on in your life? What are the things you engage with? What are the things that you do? Are you any different than that person? If we're not, I think it's, it's an important thing for us to look at because that's what God calls us to do, to be different, to be holy, to be set apart. Let me explain it to you this way in my own personal life. And I think everybody has different things. But for me, one of the things I realized at a young age, I don't even know why I had this, probably just from growing up in church and have, feeling like God called me to this. But for me, it was sex before marriage. Every, every one of my friends had sex before marriage. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait until I get married. And so for me, at like 14, 15 years old, thank you, thank you, appreciate that. Um, it was a lot harder than just a clap, let me tell you what. So at like 14 or 15 years old, I'm telling you, I made that commitment. I'm like, I'm good, man. At like 19, 20, God's going to bring me a wife. It's going to be easy, right? All of a sudden, 19 and 20 came around. I'm like, there ain't no wife. What's going on? And at like 21, 22, I'm like, all right, I made this commitment. I made this vow. I'm sticking with it, man. I'm going to do it. And, and God didn't bring my wife, Crystal. We got married when I was 29 years old. It was hard. It was difficult. And I had times where people would come to me and be like, well, what do you mean you don't have sex? I had people who would say they're Christians, would say, what do you mean you don't have sex? Like, what, what do you mean? Why are you choosing that? And it was an opportunity for me to share with them, hey, my faith. And, and I'm not downplaying, I'm not saying, hey, if you've fallen into that, you've done that, you're a horrible person, but you can choose today to say, hey, until I get married from today, I'm going to make that commitment. You know where else we need this? In raising our kids. I think one of the greatest callings, I'm learning this because I'm a new parent, is that I, my job is to teach my kids to be different. My job is to teach my kids, and I'm telling you, my wife is so much better at this than I am, of teaching our kids that it is not about always being happy. That my kids, my, my kids don't always need to be happy in life. And so for us in our family, one of the things that we choose to do is we choose to say, how are we going to be different from the entire world. I'm not saying the things that we do should be the same things that you do, but here's all I'd ask you parents. What things do you do with your kids that you would say makes you different? So for me, I'm like a big Dave Ramsey geek, okay? Um, I, I love like finances and being debt-free and I believe in all that and all that stuff. So I'm continually, and my wife will look at me sometimes and go, Joel, they don't understand what you're talking about. But I'm always talking to them about finances and how things cost stuff and how they can't always get everything that they want in life. And so one of the things my, my wife and I, we have a commitment of doing is we want to actually have meals at home, which in our culture we don't do anymore, right? It's like we always are separated from our families. And so one of the things we teach our boys, they're like, hey, can we go to a restaurant? We're like, no, we're not going to a restaurant. Why not? 
Because we're going to cook at home. We're going to sit together as a family. We're going to sit down. We're going to eat our meal without cell phones, without, you know, a computer in front of us, without the TV on, and we're just going to talk with each other, right? And I'm not saying that that's something that every family should do, even though I think it's a good thing, but I'm saying there's certain things that we choose to do that we say to our kids, we're going to be different, right? So, so when, when it's funny because, I mean, one, one of the other things we do is we don't buy a lot of, like, really expensive clothes and things for our boys. We don't. I'm not saying you're bad if you do, but that's one thing. So sometimes they'll go into a bat. We went to a basketball camp recently. Every kid's got on brand new Nikes, and my boys are wearing Crocs, literally. No joke, to a basketball camp. Like, whatever, they like it. They don't, they don't know any better right now. And now you might say, Joe, do you never buy stuff for your kids? I'm not saying that. We go to the dollar store quite often, okay? It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a good thing for a four- and five-year-old. But, but literally, just the other week, I, I'm, I'm, it's me, I don't think I'm a horrible parent, but just the other week, we were in a store, and my youngest son, Caleb, he's four, he said, Dad, I want this. And he pointed to something. I don't even know what it was. I looked at him, I said, do you have any money for it? He said, no, but you do. And I said, you're right, I do. And I said, mom, your mom and I, we worked hard for that, and so no, we're not going to buy that for you. I said, but if you want to do something, and so, they, I mean, they do, last year, they did a lemonade stand, man. And I'm telling you what, you put a couple kids on the side of the road with a lemonade stand, I think it made like 75 bucks. It was nuts. But, but, but what's amazing to me is, is for us in our life, we just have said, hey, look, there's going to be certain things that we do. We just, got, we just uh, traded in our vehicles and got different vehicles. And my belief is we're going to always pay cash for our cars. That's just one of the things that we believe in. And so my, my, my son, my oldest son, he loves vehicles. So he said to me, dad, when we get a new car, he said, you should get a GMC Yukon, like a brand new one with this thing and that thing. And I looked at him like, dude, you're crazy. No, we're not doing that, right? I mean, you might have, and I told him, I said, look, if you're going to want that, you're going to need to start saving now, right? And so here's the question for you in your life. And I'm not telling you to use the things that we do, okay? I'm, like I said, I'm a geek with some of this stuff and probably our kids are going to end up messed up. It's okay. But, <laughs> but what are the things in your life that you're teaching your kids to be different with? What are the things in your life where you're saying to your kids, you know what, we're not going to do everything that the world says you should do. We're going to be different. Maybe one of the things is that you, you sit down with your kids, you have a meal. See, we're, we're not raising holy kids and perfect kids. We're, we're not raising kids that are always going to get it right, but we need to be raising different kids and teaching them that happiness is not always the end goal. And again, I'm not suggesting that you do the same things we do, but a suggestion would be when you look at your own kids, what are the values that you want to instill in them? And what are those things that you're saying to them? We will be different when it comes to these things. I would encourage you to do that. In fact, Peter, he goes on to say this in, in verse 14. He says, so you must live as God's obedient children. He says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. He says, you actually didn't know any better than. In other words, don't slip back into the old ways. I love how, how he talks about that because how many of you know that you can slip into sin? but you can't slip into holiness, right? I mean, I've heard people say, man, I mean, I thought I was living for God and all of a sudden I just fell into sin. I started, you know, doing this thing or I started doing that thing. I've never heard somebody say, I woke up and all of a sudden I became holy. I woke up, man, and all of a sudden I just fell into holiness. No, it doesn't happen like that. You have to understand that we have an enemy who's trying to trip you up. He wants you to miss the mark. His mission is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And because he's sneaky, he doesn't walk up to you and say, hey, do you want to worship the devil? Hey, hey, let's go sacrifice chickens in the garage. I don't know if that's what devil worshipers do or not, but, but he doesn't do those types of things. No, he does exactly what he did with Adam and Eve. In the Garden of Eden, he, he says things like this. Did God really say? 
so he whispers things like this to you. Did, did God really say that you should wait until you're married to have sex? God didn't really say that, did he? Did God really say that you shouldn't go into debt to do that? That's okay. Did God really say that you should go to church on a regular basis and pray? Did, did God really say that you can't post half-naked photos on Instagram? I mean, everybody is doing it, so why not? Did God really say that you shouldn't watch that Netflix show or that HBO show because, you know, it's got sexuality or it's got a lot of vulgarness in it? I mean, did God really say those things? And what makes this message so challenging is I don't want to land on one or two things because for all of us, this is going to be a little bit different. Whatever it is for you, did God really say? That's how he gets you to be tripped up. That's how he gets you to move to happiness over holiness is he gets you to begin to justify the things in your life. And see, what a lot of us do is we begin to compare our standard to our neighbor, right? And so we look at somebody, we say, well, I mean, I'm better than Chad. I mean, I am, so I'm not bad, right? Or Chad looks at his life and says, I'm I'm better than Joel. I mean, at least I take my kids and buy them something once in a while. I mean, geez. The problem is, is that your neighbor is not the standard. Holiness is the standard. So let me just ask it again. Where are you at when it comes to choosing to be holy or happy? I want to kind of finish up by giving you four questions. And I would, I would encourage you to maybe write these questions down if you'd be willing to. And, and these are things that I would just encourage you to think about throughout the day. Maybe you even want to write down the answers to them. Maybe you even want to get, begin to process them because I think that this week as you are going through your life, I think these are great things just to begin to stir in you this idea of choosing happiness over holiness. The first one is this. What are the three areas I struggle most trying to fit in? Maybe you don't even want three. Maybe it's just starting with one. What, what is an area in your life that you right now are just trying to fit in? Could it be in what you drive? Could, could it be in where you live? Could it be in your own kids and, and what you have them do. So I'll, I'll be real honest with you. Uh, my, our whole life, my wife and I, we've always, like I talked about with cars, we, we believe in paying cash for our vehicles. And so, like I said, we just were, um, sold our cars um, and we got different vehicles. And I'm telling you, as soon as I did it, there's this little thing inside of me that I would see people driving a certain type of vehicle and I'd go, well, you could do that. And there was this desire in me, if I can be honest, to, to fit in. Like I wanted to look better than what I really am. I want to look like I, I have more than what maybe I really have in life. So what is it for you? What are the areas in your life that you are struggling trying to fit in? Maybe it's with a group of friends. Maybe it's in some type of possession. Or you're saying to yourself, I want, I want to be happy. I'm choosing to try to fit in versus what maybe God's calling is. In my life. The second question would be this When is the time that I put my happiness above God's call for holiness? Again, this, this message is not that you shouldn't be happy. I think you should, but what, when is the time in your life where you tend to put or you have put your own happiness above God's calling for you to actually be holy? So, so call it what it is. Maybe for some of you, it's partying. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's in how you dress or how you spend money, or maybe it's in lying or, or cheating. Stealing. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for some of you, you own a business and you find yourself putting your own happiness 
above God's call for holiness and being unfair and not reasonable with people. What is it for you? The third question is this. What are the biggest ways that I'm different from the world? So again, if I lined you up with somebody and we, we sat down and, and you put me next to somebody who is not a Christian, what are the things that I could tell you? What are the things that you could tell me or what are the things you could tell somebody else that make you different from everybody else? See, if we're followers of Jesus, then we're going to be different in some ways. And I think we should celebrate those ways. I think those are good things. And so maybe it's the fact that you'd say, well, Joel, I, I, read, I try to read the Bible every single day or I'm trying to, I try to pray every single day. Joel, in this area, I'm different from the world. In my business, I'm honest. Even at times, it makes me lose money because I'm honest in what I do or I choose to do things this way. Recognize the good in you. Recognize the ways that you're different from the world. Or maybe for some of us today, this is just a gut check for us of saying, I don't have a lot of ways that I'm different. If you line me up next to the kid on my, my basketball team, the kid on my football team, I'm no different than him. I talk the same way he does. I act the same way he does. When you line me up next to the mom down the road who doesn't know Christ, I I act the same way she does. I do the same things that she does. So in which ways are you different from the world? The final question is just this. What is the area that God is calling me to choose holiness over happiness? In other words, as you've been listening to this message, maybe God is speaking to you about one thing in your life Again, this is one of those messages where it can't be all these different things that you need to change, but what is the one thing, what is the area that God is calling you to choose holiness over happiness? You know, Jesus, he actually tells us that it's not good enough for us to be hearers of the word. In other words, if all we do is we come to a church service and we hear the word and we say, yeah, that's, that's good, and we don't do anything else, he says we failed. But he calls us to be a doer of the word. In other words, what change are you going to make today? Now, for some of you, you might ask the question, why does this matter? Why would, okay, Joe, I, I, know, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be holy or different, but why does this really matter? Peter actually talks about this with the Christians that he's speaking to. Again, he says this. He says, the reason why it matters to be holy is he says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you. I would say the same thing to you and to me, that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. He says it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, the spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, it says that he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you've come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and he gave him great Glory. The reason why I think this stuff matters is this because living holy is not the pathway to knowing Christ because you can never be good enough. We're going to fail on a regular basis. But knowing Christ, I think, is the pathway to holiness. In other words, it's, it's not as if all of a sudden, suddenly you know Christ and then I go, well, I guess I'm not allowed to do this. Or I guess that I have to start doing this thing. It, it doesn't happen that way. But what happens is when you begin to know Christ, all of a sudden your heart begins to change. All of a sudden that the things that you used to do, you realize that the, the sacrifice that God made for you, the sacrifice that he made for me, the willingness of him to lay down his very own life for us. 
it makes me get to a place in my own life where I say, it's not that I don't get to do that anymore. It's, it's, it's this idea that I want to live my life for God. I want to be set apart. I want to be different. It doesn't matter what people think of me. It doesn't matter if I'm ridiculed for it. It doesn't matter if the whole world says, this is what happiness looks like. I'm going to choose to be holy before I choose happiness. I'm different in my life. So this week as you go, I want to just challenge you in your own walk with God. I want to challenge you to be different in your walk with God, to go through these questions, to begin to think about, am I any different from the world? Am I choosing things in my life that I think are going to make me happy? Am I having personal justification in my own life because of happiness instead of choosing to follow God and be holy because of what he did for you and for me? Let's stand to our feet. I'll pray for us. Then we'll be free to go. God, this week as we go, um, God, help us to think about the areas of our own personal lives. God, and I know, God, I feel at this too, where I'm, I'm choosing happiness over holiness. God, help us in, in the way that we raise our, our children to be different. Help us in the way that we walk through our lives and our, our work to be different. Help us in our friend groups to be different. Help us in our schools to be different. And God, because of that, we know that we'll bring honor and glory to you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.